Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Amanda Clute, we have some fresh content for the Eater Upsell listeners. Oh, yes, we do. In the form of an interview with one of my favorite chefs in the city, a guy named Brooks Headley. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, are you a fan? Are you obviously huge a fan. Huge fan. We're huge um, fans. I'm a huge fan from back in the day, meaning just a few years ago. Yeah, oh, I like when, his first album. <laughs> when he was the pastry chef at Del Posto. Right. But... He moved on from that to open a very tiny and beloved Extremely vegetarian beloved. restaurant called yeah. Superiority Burger. Um, quickly through his 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 history, you'll get a sense of it uh, over the show. But he it was the pastry uh, kind of a legendary pastry chef at one of the mm-hmm. fanciest restaurants in the world. Yeah, went immediately walked out the door there and opened a tiny, 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 tiny little restaurant in the East Village that uh, is intentionally very inexpensive. Yeah. Um, no middle ground here from all the way up yeah. to um, to very accessible and cheap. Yeah. One thing that I learned in this interview, yeah. not to spoil the whole thing, nope. is that uh, I always thought that he was very into the idea of just having one place and it was very punk rock of him and he wasn't going to be a capitalist about it. But he actually wants to expand. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love because there will be more of them and it means more opportunity for him to do more stuff. He wants to expand, though, in the way that he wants to expand, which means do it all himself, do it all with him and his partners, yes. which means it may never happen. Sure, yep. Yeah, the reason that this guy is one of my favorite and the restaurant of my favorite is, like, clearly it is the thing he wants to do. And obviously it's very New York bubble of me to say this, but, like, he is a well-known guy. He is a, a f- like, famous in our circles. Mm. I mean, he was a big punk rock drummer before he was ever, ever mm. a cook. And you go to his restaurant, Superiority Burger, and – Almost like nine times out of ten, he's going to bust bust your table. Oh yeah, he's there. He's going to take doing the it. trash out. Yeah. He's going to replace the water, and he loves it. And he loves it. And you'll hear it's like he doesn't want to travel. He just wants to be there and help uh, and and help the restaurant and and you know contribute to his little block in New York. And on that note, and that Brooks note, Headley. here he is, Brooks Headley. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me down here. So I kind of want to start by talking a little bit about Del Posto, since that where you that's where you were before Superiority Burger. Got it. Uh, for people who don't know it and aren't familiar with what that kitchen is like, can you just set the scene of that? The kitchen yeah, at like, Del Posto? Like what it's like to be the pastry chef at Del Posto. Um, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty weird job. Um, Del Posto is enormous. It's... I can't remember exactly. I want to say 24,000 square feet, including 
Include that's including the dining rooms and private event spaces. But Del Poso is huge, huge, huge. Like the kitchen, the service kitchen alone, each line of the kitchen, say like the salad station and then the um, pasta station and the meat station and the fish station, each line is kind of like as big as or bigger than a normal restaurant's entire kitchen. Right. It's like as grandiose as you get. It is. It's it's huge. It's, and it's it's so big that it would it was funny when I worked there if it was a slow like I'm trying to think of a slow Del Posto day like the Super Bowl or something. Um or like I think Memorial Day was slow. Um because it's so vast in terms of just geographical space, you know, you can't operate with like a skeleton crew because there's too much space between <laughs> things. Like <laughs> one person would have to it would be like this like a Bugs Bunny cartoon of like of running back and forth. Yeah. You know? So so on a slow night there, there's still the kitchen is still like this army of people because <laughs> just for like spatial reasons, you know. But it's And how many people did you have just on the pastry part? Um it it fluctuated, I think at as many as ten at mm-hmm. one point. Um because there was so much like kind of small things, cookies, tiny little things that had to get made every day. Um, and then also like banquets, you know, a, a ton of private events at all times. You know, the month of December would just be like party after party, like five, six parties a day. Right, because the know? restaurant itself had these downstairs and upstairs event spaces. Sure. So I, I wanted to set that scene because you're, you're where you are now, Superiority Burger, is what, 300 square feet? Yeah, yeah. In total, tiny. including the, the seating area in the front? Yep. And that's in, that includes, we have a tiny little basement um, that we can't actually do any prep inside because there's no running water. And it's also, it would be a very depressing place to do prep. It's just a <laughs> little box with a, a couple freezers and a refrigerator down there. So, But yeah, it's very small. Very small. That's kind of, uh, I don't want to say as small as you can get, but pretty For small. For a restaurant. Yeah. I, I, it, I haven't seen anything smaller in Yeah, what's, what's smaller? We, ha- we made a choice when we got the space to, are we going to have more kitchen? Or are we going to have more seats? You know, in a normal restaurant situation, the idea is, like, make the kitchen as small as possible. At least in, t- in terms of, like, a New York City. To maximize the dining. Yeah, as much... Dining space as possible, of course, you know. Um, but when my partners and I, when we opened it up, we we didn't – nothing was really planned out at all. Um, we actually spent more time thinking up these elaborate commercials that we were going to make. <laughs> I think at the time in 2015, Instagram had – you could do 15-second videos or that was the max, you know. Mm-hmm. So we would have these – it was there was like six of us and we would just sit around and have these meetings – about like how we were gonna make these fifteen second commercials and who was gonna shoot them and and, <laughs> and one of our uh, our like facilities manager was gonna star in all of them and like you know we didn't so we spent all of our time and someone in the back was like hey guys what about the blueprints <laughs> right no I mean no there was no no one was in the back like, there was, it should have been one of us so we didn't think about like how a six seat restaurant would be able to not go out of business when it's ten degrees outside or when it's raining or, you know, when it's 100 degrees. So mm-hmm. we didn't think about <laughs> anything like that. Um, it was kind of just like 
we had a bunch of people. Everyone had a teeny little bit of money, just enough to like get it running. Mm -hmm. And then we just got it running. And then we were like, oh shit, now we have to make this <laughs> work as a business, you know? So, what was that transition like going from huge, grandiose to teeny tiny scrappy? Um, because I was so deeply excited to do to do my own thing, um, it didn't really bother me at all. Like it didn't the the thing about working at Del Posto is that there was just flat space everywhere, mm -hmm. which is the thing that is in is the premium that you're missing in most restaurants is like just flat space where you can put stuff on. Mm -hmm. um, which at Del Posto there was a ton of, you know, and that was something that we obviously didn't have at Superiority Burger and still kind of don't have. So we just, you just kind of make it work, you know. And I started to really get into the fact that we had such, such a lack of space that it sort of made you become more creative in the way that you, that we all cooked. Right, by yeah. And that was fun too. Mm -hmm. Um, because originally, you know, the restaurant's vegetarian, um, probably like 90% vegan. Not because I'm, pr I'm like a champion or uh, backer of all things vegan, you know. It's the restaurant's vegetarian because that's what I know how to cook because I was a pastry chef for 18 years and I never actually learned to cook meat. Butchered animals down. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea how to do that. Like, I like zero clue. Like, I, I wouldn't, I kind of wouldn't really even want to either. Um, but so when I opened it up, I was like, oh, we're going to open up a vegetarian restaurant. You know, like the burger had an egg as a binder. The buns we were using had milk powder in them. Um, we put cheese on them. But then what I realized or didn't, hadn't thought about until we opened is that you open up a vegetarian restaurant, you really kind of open up a vegan restaurant because you can't have a vegetarian restaurant that doesn't have almost a hundred percent vegan options mm. because that just makes no sense. Which I didn't think about. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to have... I never really even thought about it as being specifically, this is a vegetarian restaurant. It was like, You mean because the clientele is going to inherently want vegan food? Well, sure. Like if you have... If you're, if you're, if you're known as a place that is a vegetarian restaurant... Right. Vegans are going to come and be like, why isn't there like, a vegan Yeah. Like, it, like it's sort of strange if there's a vegetarian restaurant that doesn't... You can't get everything vegan right. too. Because mm -hmm. um, that's like a good chunk of your potential audience. You've said people say... Come on, go all the way. Oh, yeah, all the time. But I actually, I, I don't want to be, like, labeled. I actually don't even really, like, consider us a vegetarian restaurant either. It's just, we're just a restaurant, you know. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, we'll get people, like, people that are like, well, you're almost all vegan anyway. Why don't you just go for it? And then a lot of times, my answer is like, well, you know, I, <laughs> I'm a pastry chef, like, and we make ice cream with milk. And that's that's kind of, like, in my DNA. Right, like, I've been doing that for goal. so long. Like, um and there's a certain way that, like, the proteins and milk and mixed with your base recipe and putting it in, like, the right Carpigiani machine gives you this structure and texture that you can't get if you're trying to make, like, a vegan version of that. So how how does it work? How do you have a six-seat restaurant in, in negative 10-degree weather? <laughs> we actually have an amazing squadron of regulars that come to the restaurant all the time. Um, we have people that come to the restaurant almost every day. So we kind of stay afloat with the folks that are like kind of pretty loyal to this weird little restaurant. Um, whenever I get, I get to the point where I'm frustrated by the fact that we don't have any seats, 
which happens, you know, six, seven times a day. <laughs> um, even when it's nice out. Like today, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. Like when I left the restaurant earlier, totally slammed, you know, makes me happy. It's always funny when there's someone working and they're like kind of stressed out and freaking out that, you know, like there's boards full of tickets and like nearly spiraling out of control <laughs> chaos, you know. Hmm. I happen to really, really love that, mm -hmm. whether it's, whether, it, even before I had my own restaurant or whatever, and Cheryl, our uh, manager, who, she always tells everyone, you know, like, when anyone starts to freak out that we're, like, really busy, you know, she's like, well, you know, it's kind of a bummer to work at a, at a, at a slow restaurant, I'll just tell you that right now, which is true, you know. It's, yeah, the it's, worst part about working in a restaurant is when it's dead. Oh, yeah. And you're just sitting around with nothing to do, and you're cleaning the same thing over and over and over again. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. And even, like, when we have days that are on the slower side because of weather or, like, or the, I call it the Sunday, the, like, fe January, February Sundays, which drive me crazy, like, Super Bowl, Golden Globes, Oscars. Golden Globes? Dude, yeah, we're <laughs> slow on the Golden Globes. I don't, I don't make any, it doesn't make any wow. sense to me, you know. Um, like, those, like, Sunday night events will be, will be slow. Um, it, the best part is Christina, one of our uh, register people, has basically worked retail in the East Village for like over 20 years. She used to work at St. Mark's Books when it was open. She's kind of like, I've known her forever. Um, she's like kind of the perfect register person at Superiority Burger because she like, she just has this intense, amazing delivery of hospitality that's unlike anything else, you know, mm -hmm. and is also very, very New York, which I love. Um, but on days like that, especially the Super Bowl, she'll totally flip out and be like, like, we're a six-seat vegetarian restaurant in the East Village is fucking slow on the Super Bowl. <laughs> and she'll be like, she'll be like, I, tomorrow when, uh, when all these people come in, I'm going to I'm gonna grill them. Like, what were you doing <laughs> last night? What were you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it can be uh, a struggle having no seats, you know. Um, but... Like I said, we have the regulars that come in all the time that they obviously, like, keep us busy. And also, they also keep me in check, too, because because they come so often, It I feel the need to always kind of have something new mm. for them. Especially someone that is, is willing, almost like in this, like, is a psychopath. Like you have to be kind of a psychopath to even come to Superior <laughs> Burger because it's so small. You all can't, my psycho regulars. You can't come with... Four people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, but mm -hmm. the chances are you're not going to all be able to sit down at the yeah. same time. There's, we don't sell any alcohol, so the, like, camaraderie aspect of eating, like, is sort of gone from the restaurant. Um, except when it's really nice outside and then people get food and, like, kind of just sit on a planter outside. But you can you also know? take food to the park or, sure, or sure. to it, a bar. Like, that's true. Take a lot of people, to the bar next door. Yeah, a lot of people do then... that. <laughs> it can be challenging for sure. When you did get that scrape the money together with your friends, uh, what were you looking for exactly? Like when you were looking at different spaces around the city? Oh, we didn't look at any spaces. You didn't look at any no, spaces. No, we knew that I was I was friends with Amanda from Dirt Candy, and she had the space, and she had already moved, and she basically called me up and was like, "Do you want my lease? Like, do you want this space? Like, you have to." You have to act in the, like the next twenty four hours, and I'd kind of like talked my uh, our, my partners that we we'd sort of chatted about it, but never like seriously. And then when I was like, "Hey, the space is available," we have to like 
get the money together like in, like right now. And somehow it worked. I have no idea. Are these idea. just normal friends? Are they restaurant people? Or uh, like kind of some restaurant people and some just like like random weirdos, you mm-hmm. know? So were you still at Del Posto when you got that call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had been doing um, like random pop ups before yeah. the restaurant was open, so we had we had done a bunch, and it was weird because we. We should have looked around at other spaces, <laughs> for sure. But at the same time, like, the block of 9th Street between Avenue A and 1st Avenue is so, so awesome. Yeah. It's still, it, to this day, like, when I turn the corner, I live around the corner on Avenue B, and when I turn the corner to get on that block, I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. Like, tr- beautiful trees, and there's uh, there's people that have lived on the block for, like, 40, 50 years who also, like, love superiority burger like they come and talk to us like when we first opened they were like are you gonna have alcohol and we don't not because i'm against alcohol it's just like if i ha- only have six seats i can't have people sitting around like nursing yeah. a, nursing a budweiser you know so and they were overjoyed that we weren't gonna have alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all they want in that neighborhood yeah and the yeah. lower east side like please don't open a bar <laughs> but like just really interesting like artists and just fun people that have just lived on that block forever mm-hmm. and um the fact that they have like kind of like with open arms are ex- we're excited and are kind of still excited that we're on the block like it just makes it, it just makes me super happy you know so yeah it kind so, of is what makes those neighborhoods great is like little organic places like that sure yeah i mean there's a block association that's just the east 9th street block yeah. association between first and a you know which um do you go to the meetings um, no, I don't know. We're not part of it. <laughs> like, it's he like, sends them like, I think we, like, we've only been on the block for three and a half years. Like maybe, yeah. maybe if, if the restaurant lasts 20 years, we could be, you know, we would petition to be on the board. Or whatever, <laughs> when someone so. dies. Um, th- yeah, we probably should have looked around at a, mm-hmm. maybe a bigger space with a bigger kitchen or uh, more seats, you know, but we didn't because like I said, none of it was really planned out. It just kind of like happened yeah. on the fly and then. Mm-hmm. We also got really, really lucky that I know this This is something that would never, ever happen again if I ever opened up a bigger restaurant or another restaurant is from the, the moment that we got the key to actually opening the doors was only 11 weeks, which is really, really wow. fast. Um, so I like to talk about it and like kind of brag about it, but I know it'll never happen again. It's not like that's my thing. Like I'm the fast, yeah, yeah. fast restaurant opening guy I'm because so the next good. one, will, the next one will probably take four years, you know. So, um, but uh, it was just it just happened really fast. Like, you know, we tore out some equipment, we built some, did a little minor construction, and the next thing you know, we like did a really quick friends and family, and then we could be, and then we were open. So you know, mm-hmm. and I still to this day like. I'm so excited to go to work. Ex- totally excited. I've never once like been like ah, uh, like even if it's like you have a rough day and like then and something happens that's not fun, which is like every single every couple of hours at a restaurant, you know. Um, the next morning, I'm always just like, all right, what are we gonna do, you know? Like, and um, it, with the exception of this past <laughs> summer. Where I actually did a bunch of traveling for the cookbook. Mm. Like, we did events all over the country and in Japan, too. Um, before that, I pretty much was there every single day for three years straight. Like, to the point where I'm usually the person that locks the door at the end of the night. So what is your relationship like with fine dining these days? I have a very... <laughs> 
I have a very uh, complicated relationship with fine dining <laughs> um, because when I started, I started working in restaurants in about 1999. Um, just kind of fell into it accidentally in Washington, D.C., and it happened to be a very expensive, very fancy restaurant. Um, and But the first pastry chef, um, Laurie Weber, that I worked for there, taught me so much that I could have never learned anywhere else. I couldn't have learned it working on my own if I'd had my own, like, people have their own thing immediately kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, or, like, at a, I couldn't have learned that at unless it was at a really fancy restaurant because we were using super high-quality ingredients. Um, we were going to the green market. In D.C., it's every Sunday in DuPont Circle. We were going every Sunday to buy peaches and apples and, you know, nectarines. Um, we were we were canning those things. We were, like, I learned how to make pas de choux and all these, like, really specific things that mm-hmm. I couldn't... I mean, I could have gone to, to pastry school or I could have worked at another restaurant, but this was a really fancy, expensive restaurant, and... The stuff we were doing and the changing around of the menu, like, would only have happened at a place like that. And then I kind of, at the time, like, I had been in a bunch of bands, and it was almost like a prank that I was working at this super fancy restaurant. <laughs> um, to me and to my friends, I was like, yeah, I work at this, like, crazy expensive restaurant. Like, you guys can never come there, you know? And they'd just be like, that's weird, you know? Like, no one, no one would have any concept of, like, even going to a restaurant like that, like... I didn't either because when I was a kid, um, I grew up just me and my mom, and we never had a ton of money. So, like, I never went to a fancy restaurant ever, not even for, like, a special occasion. We just – that's just – that wasn't part of, like, what we did. Like, if there was any sort of love of cooking, it was always cooking at home with my mom or my grandmother, you know. So, so it, it just felt strange, but it also felt kind of funny too because it just seemed so out of place that I was working in this fancy restaurant – but then I got hooked, um, and I, was, I just got obsessed with all of the things about the food at these places, you know? That's kind of where I learned how to cook, mm-hmm. was in fine dining restaurants. But I hate the fact that fine dining restaurants are so elitist and expensive, and are, they're not for normal people. Um, they're for very, very rich people, or... People that are like have doing a special occasion thing, you know, right. which is like, just fine. I'm not saying I'm not saying any of that is bad. <laughs> like, you know, there's always like Mark Ladner used to always say, you know, Brooks, there's always going to be very wealthy people who are going to want to go to very expensive restaurants. Right. That's who never was gonna... the the former executive chef at Del Posto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of one of the greatest for <laughs> sure. Being in that world for close to 18 years, it started to kind of wear on me because like my friends couldn't come eat the food that I was cooking. It was so exciting for me to, like, learn how to cook these certain things in a way that I wouldn't have known any other way except for working in these fancy restaurants. But, you know, I couldn't afford to go eat there, you know. And my friends couldn't afford to go eat there. So, like, initially when I started doing it, it didn't bother me because it just, the whole thing felt like a prank. Like, I didn't belong. (laughs) Right, in these restaurants anyway. And then 20 years later, it's like, wait a minute. It's like, <laughs> this uh, yeah, is it's my like okay, I've made a career out of this, you know? And I would kind of go in waves of like where it would really bother me. And then I would kind of get used to it. And then it would bother me. And like I had gotten to the point at the end of the time I was working at Telposto where it really bothered me. And that's when, that's kind of when I started putting the feelers out for like doing my own thing, you know, which 
I'd never really even wanted to do before. Like a lot of people get into cooking, especially in New York, especially working at high-end restaurants is like, I'm going to do this to get as much experience as I can and say that I've worked at so-and-so restaurant, so-and-so restaurant, so I can go back home and do my own thing or stay here and do my own thing. I had never had any sort of plan like for that. Like that wasn't the long-held just, dream. Yeah. Yeah, like so it's, it's just really complicated. So I, I don't really have a beef with fine dining restaurants, except I have a huge beef with fine dining <laughs> restaurants. You know right. what I mean? Um, Is there anything you miss about that world? Or it's just like once you're gone, you're... Uh, no, there's actually nothing that I miss about it. Like I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Like I, I don't have any desire to even ever put any of my food on a plate ever again. Like, <laughs> I'm, I don't have any. Like a lot of people that are ambitious cooks that become chefs and then become owners and proprietors. Like a lot of them have, an, a desire to say have, a whole different range of kinds of restaurants, like a casual restaurant a really fancy restaurant, something in the middle. Right. Um, like, I don't ever, I don't have any desire to, like, have a fancy vegetarian restaurant, like, at all. Like, right. I just like, I like making food with as good of a, and the best ingredients that I can afford to buy and still sell for as cheap as possible and put them in disposable boats. <laughs> boats, you know. Um, which... That's I just love that. You know, that's like that's that's why I'm so excited to go to work and that's why I'm so excited to like have people come work with me at the restaurant that maybe aren't vegetarian at all. That were like like we have this guy Dave who works at the restaurant now, another one of our kitchen managers, and he's not vegetarian at all, like not even in the slightest. Like he's eating beef jerky snacks. Um yeah, like we we were in um we did an event in DC and we came back through I took a detour through Lancaster, Pennsylvania, because there's this woman that had a pizza place and like a farmer's stall, farmer's <laughs> market stall in Lancaster. We were like, we got to go try this pizza. And it was pretty amazing. But I think Dave then walked around the, the market and found this like bag of kind of pretty scary like cubes <laughs> of bologna or whatever. So like, I was looking at him. Oh, eating just eating them, a bag just, of meat. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> And he's like, nah, I tried. It was a buck, you know? And then later <laughs> on, he was like, ah, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat that, you know? So, um, But, yeah, it's really exciting for me <laughs> to have people come to the restaurant. Yeah, like anybody can go. Yeah, yeah, anybody can come to the restaurant. Like and me. anyone can learn, yeah. Right. And then in terms of, like, I, I say this a lot, too, like, it's vegetarian and mostly vegan because that's what I know how to do. But that's not even that that important to me. Like, that's just what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The the inexpensiveness of it is is mm-hmm. the most important thing to me. Right. I really really like being, you know, at the Union Square Market in August and like being in line at Campo Rosso, buying peppers and chicories and stuff like that. And you know, I'm in the same line as Gramercy Tavern and Eleven mm-hmm. Madison Park and Per Se and like you know it's the same like because there's a a crew of us that are the people that from each restaurant that are the the people that go to the market to buy the the stuff, you know? So we all kind of like, even if we don't necessarily know each other, like we know it's like, Oh yeah, that's that guy. She, she works over there, you know? So do you see parallels between like this ethos and the ideals of the punk rock world where you were growing up? Like it seems like there's some Uh, overlap there. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, it's that stuff is, is so ingrained in me. That even if I was to say no, it has nothing to do with it. I'm, it does, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, like a band like Fugazi, for the majority, I mean, for their entire span as a group, 
they played shows for five dollars. Right. You know, and and the way that Ian McKay described that, the like why why he would do that is <laughs> my favorite version of that is like he he would say like well you know it's five bucks sometimes we suck <laughs> so, which is false I don't think they ever sucked but <laughs> like sometimes we suck so it's only five bucks who who cares you know it's hey. no big deal so I kind of like that sort of I like that like you can come to and that's why we change around the menu so much like with specials and and as much as we can at the restaurant because it's like really exciting for me and it's also like it's only five bucks or it's only seven bucks like that's not like if you're disappointed it's not that big a deal right it's not that big a deal like you know but i mean there are people especially like we get a lot of bands coming to the restaurant Mm -hmm. which i love because they know you or because it's or even that i don't know the people or or the band or anything but it's usually like a saturday or a sunday morning right, right when we open there'll be like five people will come in and they clearly look like they're in a band. And this is, like, not necessarily just a punk band. It could be any mm-hmm. genre. Like, sometimes we recognize them and sometimes we don't. More time, more more often not that we don't because it actually makes me very excited and happy because, like, when I was playing music, like, it was touring around the country playing to 20 to 40 people a night in a VFW hall in someone's basement, like, Nobody, nobody knew about it. Like only a certain chunk of people of the population even knew about it. But we still did it with as much vigor and excitement as we could. It was like the most exciting thing we could do. Getting older and maybe not being in that scene anymore. Like it's very encouraging me to me that even in New York City, there's there's still bands. There's, there's <laughs> shows going on that aren't at the Bowery Ballroom. That aren't yeah. at the big venues. Like. There's a basement or like a loft in, you know, in Ridgewood or something where yeah, it's usually going to be Ridgewood. <laughs> yeah, where something's going on. But my favorite thing about when a band comes in, like I said, because mm-hmm. you can tell they're a band, is they all pay separately. So right. that's like right. <laughs> you know, because they're using their like whatever per diem. I don't know what a like when I was in a band, like your per diem was like five bucks. Like that's you got five bucks to spend on your food for the day or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's twenty bucks now, like, or maybe it's still five. Or bucks. Or if you get know, one at all, yeah, probably still five bucks. So right. depends on how big the band is. Yeah, well, and the yeah. industry isn't doing. Yeah. Like, and also, if like you, if <laughs> you just, if you only made thirty bucks last night, you know, you still got to get gas, get yeah. to Philadelphia, right. whatever. So, but it just makes me really happy, and also that they come to the restaurant, and, and usually, only, usually, what happens is they only, they'll order like one burger and nothing else, mm-hmm. you know. And we have a lot of customers that do that too, like. We do have, like, people that are regulars or, like, people from restaurants that come in and will, like, you know, like, order seven things on a big tray. That's great, too. But it's also, like, you can come and spend 10 bucks. Yeah. It's ten eighty nine for a burger and a, a burnt broccoli salad, which is pretty cheap for 2019. Full dinner. In Manhattan for – this is, like – I mean, this isn't a slice of pizza. This is, like, a vegetable croquette, more or less, like, made of, like – 10 different ingredients, different sauces. The broccoli salad is like, it's like, you take the broccoli salad and put it on a plate, you know, you could serve it at a fancy restaurant, you know. It's just shoved into like a paper bowl. So. Yeah, I mean, looking at the recipes in the cookbook, it's a lot. Yeah, It's yeah, a yeah. lot of prep. The, yeah, the burger recipe in the cookbook is especially, like I, I worked really hard to make it one page. Which is sort of <laughs> deceiving because like people yeah. will come up to me and like I, I made the burger yesterday. It took me eight hours. <laughs> Didn't feel like a one page recipe to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I really, I, that was that was intentional too. It was also intentional that the the cookbook is called Superiority Burger Cookbook. The vegetarian hamburger is now delicious. 
and there's only one vegetarian hamburger recipe. And it's the first one, right. and then it's done, and then the rest are just all the other recipes. Right, that right. was intentional too. Um, that got me in trouble with a lot of people, especially on the the book tour that we did, because people would say like, "I thought it was just going to be all these different veggie burger recipes." Oh. And I was like, "Well, there's only one." So, like, you know, no, this is the one. This, this is, is all one. you need. You don't need more. When bands would come in in the morning, getting back to that, guy, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's my favorite thing. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> yeah, 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 please. So like, I would. And initially, like when I'd see that, I would get really excited. So I would start giving them free stuff because I will give free stuff away at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody's wearing a T-shirt, I like I'll give them free stuff. Burger. You know? <laughs> right. Um, but a lot of times, like people, the people from bands that would come in, I would say like if five people, I would like make five little shots of soup and bring it out to them. And if they were vegan, the first thing is like, is it vegan? Are you sure? I was like, I'm sure. I know. I know you guys are vegan. You all ordered vegan. I made it vegan, you know. And then... Sometimes there'd be there's a suspicion involved. Like, why are you giving me something for free? Oh man, um, yeah. which you don't get if it's a restaurant person that comes right, right. in. Like, they're, they're like, like obviously, they're like, oh yeah, of course, I'm getting something for free, you know. Um, <laughs> but I kind of like that too. I I, I, I sort of stopped doing that because I think the last time I did it, like, the band was actually like visibly annoyed that I had given them something for free. <laughs> um, and it wasn't that they didn't like it; they all ate it, you know. So I kind of I stopped that. So. You don't like, can you talk us through the inner? I, I love this now. Can you be like, uh, hey guys, um, I'm Brooks uh, here, have some soup. And they'll be like, what, no. what the fuck are you no. doing? What are you doing? <laughs> no, be like, yeah, no. I was in bands when I was younger. You, uh, your youthful vigor no, no, gives no, me no. life. <laughs> no, never. I would never even announce. You don't say anything? I would, no. I would just be, hey, this, you guys, this is a potato soup or whatever. Yeah. It would mainly just be like that. Oh. I wouldn't be like, no big deal. I was a drummer. Yeah. 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 No, I would never. I would not I, even saying that. No, but. I would never like even introduce myself in any way. Like I, I, I actually really like to keep my name away from Superiority mm -hmm. Burger as much as possible, even though like I'm there pretty much every day and it's yeah, clearly and, like, my restaurant. Tables like, and everything. Yeah. Um, but even in the cookbook, like it's all written in, in like a we. Everything is we or, or right. our. Um, Did you try to get your name off the front cover and your publisher was like, no, fuck you? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually, the only name I wanted actually on the front cover was Sonny Chakra, the photographer, because the oh, photos, yeah, the are, photos so good. are amazing. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> to my editor, I was like, I don't want my name on the cover, I just want Sonny's name. And she was pretty much just like, Ab, you know, forget it. <laughs> that's not, that, that's not going to happen. But like the book, the, the display book that we have at the restaurant, I, actually taped over my name <laughs> and I put uh, Ian Sfinonius who wrote the foreword and then Sonny who did the photos like on there because that's you know it's not really like it's about like that book and the restaurant itself it's about everyone that works there like everyone contributes you know right. it's not like and like I was saying like this thing where the, sh the chef is infallible and knows mm -hmm. everything like that just that is a lie it's such a lie you know so I don't know I so you don't, to, I just wanted to be a group yeah. effort so so you don't uh, introduce yourself to bands mm -mm. ever. I mean, usually, usually we try to figure out what band it is. Right, but what like, if? How do you know they're not like break dancers or something? Like well, they might be. Yeah, yeah. They might be. I just assume if it's five people and they all pay separate, that it's the four people from the band and then the roadie. You know, yeah. that's, just, that's just me. <laughs> so know, if you're so. listening and you're going with four friends this weekend, this is how you yeah, do if it. You, yeah, <laughs> if you all pay separately. Pay like, separate. Sub out like, like, your backpack cool. for a guitar yeah. bag or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like there we have. Uh, people that work the line at the restaurant that are kind of more in tune with like what's going on. I'm not anymore because I basically like in the music scene. Yeah. No. Like that actually go to show. I, I don't really go to shows anymore. Not because I'm like weird old guy now, although I am, <laughs> it's more just like I spend all my time at the restaurant. And right. if I'm, 
if I'm in the city, I want to spend every single second of my time in the restaurant. Like and people, sometimes I'll, I'll go like, I've gone like three months without taking a day off at times, but I have to have something really, really good to do in order to not go to Superiority Burger. Like something that like, like if I get on an airplane to go to another city, Better I be can't good. go back. I can't go, I can't go to work. I can't show up at like 10 PM and right. just see what's going on. So, so if it's, it's gotta be something really, really good for me to not want to go to the restaurant like, because I have so much fun there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but, oh, but yeah, in terms of like, so usually like Brian or Caleb or whoever's working the line, the, um, well, I'll, I'll be like, who, who is that? And then they'll kind of like get on their phone and see like, oh, who, I think they played at St. Vitus last night. Or like, I think, oh, this is some <laughs> weird like string ensemble. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, so, um, so we'll try to figure it out. And I, I think that. once we, there was this one band and they, they, just, they just reeked a band. <laughs> we, we did finally figure out who they were and then and then at that point like I was like well that like that started showering them with free stuff to the point and they weren't like standoffish about it so they were like kind of excited about it and then went into the, they went to their van and brought like dumped like seven records on uh, them, that's so. fun but uh yeah I, I'm definitely into like the barter economy for sure so I feel like I, I love the restaurant so much because you are always there, but maybe, you know, the restaurant is all one being. It is not whether or not you're there or not. But, uh, but like, do you think you could if you did open something else? Like, I'm sure that Vegas or L.A. or something, like, some food hall has offered you millions. Like, what, what's the expansion thing? Um, I mean, New York is tough because I don't really, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just... Rent is very expensive in New York, so I don't know if we'll ever have another restaurant in New York. I would love to have a bigger restaurant that has seats and, you know, sells alcohol and actually makes some money. Two at it, once? Or would yeah. you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in my in my, my perfect case scenario, yeah. because I know absolutely 1,000% if I closed Superiority Burger on 9th Street and opened up a bigger place, people would immediately be like, it's not as good. <laughs> the same people that, oh, yeah. that and, tell me that they won't ever come to the restaurant because there's no place to sit would be the same people that go to the <laughs> restaurant that has seats and, and tell me it's not as good. So um, perfect case scenario would be like find a place that has even 20 seats. You know, that would totally change right. the ability of four people to come in. And then, Wasn't but, there a funny situation next door to you where like you could expand but there's a cat thing there? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a cat adoption place. There, there. It's uh, all the people that work there are they're so awesome. It's like the, the guy that runs it. It's a total labor of love. It's just it's called Ollie's. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many awesome things on our block. Like just like the old old school Russian barbershop across the street. Um, enchantments. Like just the I don't know. It's just a, it's just. But an uh, amazing you can't block. expand into that. That's not. It's not. An that's option. not an option. It's not yeah. an option. Place is not an option. Um, no, I mean the, that's their thing. There was you know, an so. old, there was an old tale around these offices that something like if you were able to get all the cats adopted, they would, <laughs> they would. Is that not true? <laughs> they I would mean, let you. Expand I mean, I guess into if, their I guess if I really decide to work really hard and I found an alternate location yeah. for the cats, <laughs> relocate then the entire. If I relocated cat, all the cats, then I could probably like then you can maybe have a figure out a room. way yeah. to like. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I guess, and I, I, you know what? I think I think I probably said that to a bunch of people at a certain point. Maybe it was a joke. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm really into like misinformation. Or maybe a motivation to get some cats adopted <laughs> for the burger lovers. So um, sorry, back to your so your oh, ideal place: twenty seats, twenty seats, fifteen alcohol. seats. Yeah, so yeah. alcohol, not because like I really am passionate about selling alcohol. Mm-hmm. Although Cheryl, our manager, is basically dying to pair our food with yeah wine and beer. Like she's she comes from the fancy restaurant world too, and could definitely do that well. Um, you know, it's just make money. It's a better way to like right. selling alcohol is very is a profitable thing to do. Then, perfect case scenario, the original superiority burger becomes something different. Maybe it sells something different. I don't know. I don't know what, but it would stay the same. So then, the people that tell me that the new place sucks because it's because right. it's different, I was like, well, you can still go to the old place, you know. Right. And they're like, well, I can't get a burger there. You know, you know, so. Have you thought about going the route of taking on investors, or is that just like a nightmare? Um, that's you know, that's a minefield. Yeah. Uh, it can go. It can be good. It can be bad. It's right now. It's just. It's more important for me to like. We have the place like to make sure that it's as exciting as possible all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's not like just for like a. PR thing perspective it's for me and for the people that work there like you know it's re- like everyone that works there especially re- like right now is like people come to work just excited to like we got a shipment of um Rancho Gordo beans uh Friday and we haven't had time to mess with them and then Dave one of our kitchen managers I was talking about before the guy that ate the weird bologna in Lancaster mm-hmm. he Came in today and just like, like, like on fire, like rip roaring, like went to the back. We have four induction burners in the back, two of which <laughs> don't work. So we only have two induction <laughs> burners right now. He went back there and just started like making a mirepoix of uh, carrots and onions and celery. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, we got those lentil, those green lentils from, from Rancho Gordo. Like I'm going to make lentil soup. And it was just so excited. And then, like, he's making it right now. I get to go back and, like, see what he's come up with. Mm-hmm. But, like, for someone to get so excited about lentil soup, like, that's just, like, that's so cool, you know? So, Is it hard for you when you – I mean, I'm sure you talk to other people who operate restaurants and they <clears throat> they tell you about all their expansion woes. And you're like, you know, you just got to be in one place and just love what you're doing. Is- no, no, I, I, don't, I don't have any – I'm not saying you, have, you uh, are criticizing them, but it – there's kind of a disconnect between like the obsession with the one place and like the obsession with the whole thing and expansion as a business. Sure. I mean, that's a whole other thing of like, you know, if you are expanding into like multiple locations, how do you maintain the quality? You know, I mean, that's something I think about because I hope eventually I'll be able to like have another thing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but in terms of like someone like their woes about it, you know, like I, I get it. Like it's I'm sure it's. <laughs> I think I've I read something. I think it was Andrew Carmelini said something to the effect of, like, you have one restaurant, and that's great, and then you have a second restaurant, and that's really hard. But by the time you have three or four, like, those then become it's, easy. Yeah, then it's Because the you have systems in place, and you have, like, a, a crew that can, like, take care of certain things, you know? Yeah, so. I've heard that, that one to two is, is the hardest. Right. So I guess, I guess in my... In my world, I'll, I'll probably one and then two, like the hardest part, and I guess forever. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I like. Which yeah. I like. I'm I'm totally cool with that. So, but I'll, but Los Angeles, I would kill to open up in Los Angeles, mainly because the produce is insane. Mm, yeah, and it's not that expensive compared to say like the farmers market produce here, and that's that's no like. 
bashing the amazing farmers that sell at the Union Square mm-hmm. Market. You know, it's just no, it's, it's just, just a, a different it's a different place. You know, um, I mean, I was just I was out there to do an event a few weeks ago, and the like the El, the Santa Monica and the Hollywood Farmers Markets in January were just like, you know. It's like with, I hate to sound cliche, but it's like a cornucopia of uh, whatever right. you wanted. You and know? here we have like we got nothing. Yeah, it's like Peter Meehan always says, like you know, it's, it's rutabaga season until <laughs> until you yeah. see the ramps, you know. So exactly. <laughs> but it's also that this is New York. Like it's supposed to be like that. So well, I have one fast or not fast casual, but like more casual question about Mark Ladner. At the same time that you left, was working on his fast casual concept, mm-hmm. and I know Wiley now is working on donuts and do you think it's less exciting for certain people to be in fine dining now is it like people oh, coming no. up now or do you, no, are your no, colleagues no. wanting uh, to leave too or what is it no i don't think at all like i mean there's still tons of ambitious fancy restaurants in new york in los angeles all over you know mm-hmm. um and there's always going to be a crew of people that that's what they want to do they want to make very precise very ambitious thought out food plated as beautifully as possible mm-hmm. and you know at a at a restaurant that sells food for a lot of money like i don't think there's ever going to be a lack of people wanting, wanting to, to like be that. in that world right. for sure um i just don't anymore like i just i never ever 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 want to be anywhere <laughs> near that you know so but i think there's like when someone from say like the uh, the fancy restaurant world tries to do something that's a little more casual um Maybe that's like a certain like itch that they need to scratch, like mm-hmm. to try to sell more food mm-hmm. or sell reach more get, people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's used as an example a lot of times, and for sure, that's you know, I mean, we it's not like even though we have a tiny little restaurant, we we do sell a lot of stuff. You know, we sell it for really cheap, so it's not like we're rolling in right. money. Like it's, it's it's hilarious to me sometimes because people that work at the restaurant or even like see the restaurant the perspective like it's small it's it's so small so if there's eight people if there's every seat all six seats are full and there's eight people in the restaurant that's 14 people right. that's not that many people <laughs> and you know be like wow you're you're, you're loaded it, you know and i was like well we're also selling i'm selling uh, farmers market produce at cost more or less you know right. so i'm not rolling in it but like this is it's more important to me to do that than it is to Put something on a on a fancy, mm-hmm. you know, three hundred dollar plate yeah. for sure. So, All right, I have two final things. Yeah. One, what would you do if Michelin gave you a star? Would you throw it back? I I, I, I assume they they could never it's, do it. It's a possibility. I mean, I've like talked such massive shit about Michelin. <laughs> I, mean, um, I think I think Michelin is is so ridiculous, especially in New York City. So 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 ridiculous. Um, it's a it's a tire company. <laughs> like, if it's a tire it's, company, then why doesn't why are they doing Stone this? Barns have a Michelin star? Because it's outside. <laughs> you drive to Stone Barns, right? <laughs> like, like the San Francisco Michelin Guide includes Napa, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Does why Stone doesn't Barns not have a Michelin? No, oh no, my no. god! Isn't that weird? That's absurd. You drive. It's like it was set up in France to you drive <laughs> to around driving. You're like, yeah. You don't drive around. I mean, some people drive around New York City, but like, I just think it's so silly. And it, it, it's also like, I don't. I just don't understand. Like, do they have a, a like the same budget as like, as like what kind of budget do they have to like go to all these restaurants? Because the actual Michelin Guide 
is huge. Yeah, it's super like, thick. They, how can you actually go to all the like, the budget must be insane. It's it's I don't know. So <laughs> I, they're never no, going to give I me totally a Michelin star. I don't want one. You know, <laughs> it's also like it's ridiculous. You know, like I don't know. <laughs> you, could, you could be your first plate in the restaurant. You could serve food on it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, last thing, do you want to? Do you have any quirky regular? A couple quirky regulars you want to shout out and tell us about? Oh my God, we've got we've got so many. Um, we actually had our our uh, annual staff party uh, two weeks ago, um, where we closed early and got a bunch of food and uh, had it at our friend's bar. Um, but it's it was funny too because we have <laughs> regulars that are so important. That they came to the staff party. Really? Like there was about five people. Um, Rachel, Jacinta, um, Ethan and Vita, you know, <laughs> people that are so important to the restaurant that they came to our staff party. And it wasn't like they were like, oh, I can't come to your staff party. They were like, oh, sure, where is it? Like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, I'm sure the food's going to be good, you know, so. <laughs> Although we didn't make any of the food, so. Jacinta is, my fa- is probably my favorite regular. Sorry, every other regular. <laughs> um, but Jacinta lives close by, comes all the time, like... Um, and but has never had a burger. <laughs> and she, she's told me that she's like, you know, I have no desire to ever have a burger, and I respect that. I'm like, that's cool. She's like, yeah, why would I want to eat a veggie burger? They're silly. I was like, Jacinta, I agree, veggie burgers are silly <laughs> for sure, you know, but loves all the other like vegetable sides and um, salads and desserts we have, like to the point, like, I know when we post something on Instagram, which is the only PR we've ever done. If we post something on there that is like something new, and Jacinta's in town, we will see Jacinta within a couple hours. You know? Really, um, which is kind of awesome. And the fact that she still hasn't had a burger and refuses to have one, I love that. I think I think one time I, tr- I almost tried to slip her like one without a bun to see if she would just <laughs> eat it. But you know, Jacinta's so cool. I would never do that to Jacinta. So. Yeah. Wow. Shouts to Jacinta. Shouts to Superiority Burger. Uh, Fancy Desserts is your first cookbook, and yeah. Superiority. Burger, the cookbook is the second one. Thank you so much for coming in today. We really appreciate your time, and I assume you're going to head back to the restaurant now. Oh, of course. I want to see what the uh, the lentil soup will be done. You know, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Brooks. you, guys. I'm sure half of Eater will be there tonight trying the lentil <laughs> soup as well. 